Well, good morning. It's good to be with you this morning. Did everyone enjoy the nice weather we had yesterday? It was beautiful out. Only to have it, I guess it's supposed to snow on Tuesday. I don't see why they do that to us, right? <laughs> they kind of psych us up. They're like, oh, it's going to be great. Warm weather's coming, and then, gotcha. Get ready for the snow. But I am glad to be with you this morning and to be able to share um, God's word with you. Um, I don't know about you, it's been a busy week, um, but I'm glad I get to be with you, be with my brothers and sisters in Christ, and be able to praise him and just hear what God could be saying this morning. So I grew up spending a lot of time at daycare. Um, It was a ministry of the church that I grew up in, and I made countless friends um, throughout my time there, friends I still have to this day. We spent hours and hours at the playground um, playing and having fun. Um, The program was essentially like what we have here at Cornerstone, the the, the GLC program. This uh, an opportunity for kids to stay um, and just have some fun together with other kiddos when their parents may not be able to get off in time um, to pick them up at dismissal time. And so uh, we spent countless time together, um, and it was just a blessed time. And I remember watching a lot of movies during my time at daycare, and it'd be before when I was waiting to catch the bus to go to school, and then afterwards, usually my mom was the last one to pick us up because she just worked really late hours. Um, But we watched a ton of movies, and the movie that I remember watching the most other than the Disney movies and the other cartoon movies like The Land Before Time, was The Wizard of Oz, right? We're all familiar with The Wizard of Oz, right? Classic movie. It's a story of um, a young girl who finds herself far away from home, right? In this land that she's unfamiliar with. And on her journey, she meets a group of people, a group of friends, who she helps along her way of trying to figure out um, how to get home. And all things point to this great and powerful wizard, right? The, the Wizard of Oz. Um, in order for him, for them to get back um, to where she was from, but also to get what her friends wanted. And it was this solution of defeating the Wicked Witch of the West um, that was their solution to getting home. And so in order for them to do that, they had to defeat her. And so eventually they did. And they come back and it's like, all right, I'm ready to claim what you have promised to us. And he's like, well, come back another time. Come back tomorrow and I'll have it all figured out. And they're like, wait, what? You promised us this. And so we need you to deliver. And all along we see that the dog is pulling back the curtain, right? Pulling back to reveal that this man is kind of orchestrating everything. He's pulling the strings of making this wizard to be all powerful and all great. And in that moment, it kind of shatters their reality, like, wait, what? And possibly, and this is kind of where we get the idea of the saying, like, peek behind the curtain, right? When we want to know what's really going on, what's truly going on, we kind of want to peek behind the curtain. Um, And it makes me think, do we have any curious minds here who want to know how things work? the process of things and kind of what makes things um, tick. Abraham's like that. He's very curious. 
He wants to know the ins and outs of things, and so he asks us a, a ton of questions, and sometimes I have answers for them, and sometimes I don't. One of his questions was, what's the opposite of yellow? I'm like, I don't remember art class too much, but I'll try and figure it out for you, bud. They asked me the other day, um, were cavemen a part of Bible time? Was that before Bible time? And I'm like, these are good questions. I need to figure some of this stuff out. But he's curious, like he wants to know how things work. I was like that too. I want to take things apart and try to put it back together to see how they really functioned. He wants to pull back the curtain to see how things work. And I believe we all do to a certain degree, but I will caution you, don't look at how hot dogs are made. It'll ruin your appetite, trust me. But that's kind of where our text is this morning, not talking about hot dogs, but about God in this moment kind of pulling back the curtain and kind of revealing something to the disciples in order to help them fully understand what his kingdom is truly about. He's unveiling the truth about who Jesus really is in this moment as well. And as usual, the disciples are still lost about what is happening here and what is going on. So before we jump into our text, um, let's kind of see how we got to this moment, what led up to where we are. So Jesus is teaching and he's healing. And during these teaching and healings, Peter kind of figures out and declares, Jesus, you are the Messiah, right? You are the one that God has chosen. And Jesus asks his disciples, well, who do people say that I am? And they're like, well, some think that you're John the Baptist or Elijah or one of the other prophets. And then it's like, okay, well, who do you say that I am? And Peter makes that declaration that you are the Messiah. And so Jesus is like, okay, I think they're ready. I think they're ready for something new. And so he teaches them something new. He's like, I think that they're finally starting to understand what the kingdom of God really is about and what it looks like. And so Jesus decides to start pulling back that curtain just a little bit and revealing something new to them. He's telling them that this way of God's kingdom, this way comes through the cross. It comes through death and it comes through his resurrection. And this blows the disciples' minds. Like, what, what do you mean, Jesus? What do you mean it comes through death? Right? Because if, it, if you're the Messiah, you're not supposed to be killed by the authorities. Right? A Messiah who uh, would be killed would kind of precisely be what we all think it is. It's just a false Messiah. So what do you mean you're supposed to be killed? And Peter putting his foot in his mouth, tries to rebuke Jesus, which I wouldn't recommend, right? He says, get behind me, Satan. You do not have the concerns of the Father, only human concerns, which he does. And so we see that Jesus is finally thinking that his disciples are getting it, but they're still coming up just a little bit short. He's trying to teach them that they must pick up their cross 
and follow him, which means following him into dangerous and risky places. And so God has this moment come in order to solidify exactly who Jesus is. So if you have your Bibles, we'll be in Mark chapter 9, verses 2 to 9. We've been journeying through Mark's gospel for a little bit over these past couple weeks. So we're going to pick up in chapter 9, verses 2 to 9. So if you have your places, if you're able, would you join me in standing for the reading of God's word? Mark chapter 9, verses 2 to 9. In six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us, put aside, let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say. They were so afraid. They were so frightened. Then a cloud appeared and covered them, and a voice came from the cloud. This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. As they came down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. The word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. So God is doing a couple of things here. First, he's beginning to pull back that, cur- that curtain about who Jesus truly is. I mentioned before that Jesus tried multiple times to show the disciples, to show the crowds that he is the Messiah, that he is the one that God has chosen to usher in his kingdom. However, through his teachings and miracles, they still wasn't quite getting it. So we see here that God, through Jesus, shows his disciples who he truly is and what his true form looks like. And it's something that they can barely behold. Mark says that his clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anything or anyone in the world could bleach them. Like the best oxyclean or detergent that you've ever seen, it's whiter than that. Sometimes I need that for some of Abraham's grass stains, right? Because his clothes were whiter than white. In Matthew's gospel, it said that not just his clothes shone bright, but also his face shone like the sun, brighter than the sun. It reminds me of that blinding light that happens when the sun hits the snow just at the right angle. You know, when we're driving down the street after a snow and the sun hits it at that right angle and then bam, you're blinded by that white light that bright light, and you're kind of gripping onto the steering wheel just a little bit harder trying to make sure you don't go off the road. This was Jesus' true form. Jesus was being transformed, transfigured right before their very eyes, and it was a sight to behold. 
This word transformed is where we get our word metamorphosis from, right? It's a change on the outside that comes from the inside, right? We typically think of a caterpillar, right? And as they form and build their cocoon, their chrysalis, as they transform inside that into this beautiful butterfly or this fuzzy moth, transformation happens. And Jesus isn't changing like his nature, uh, his essence on what's on the inside, but he's revealing his true glory. He's displaying that to the disciples. And this is significant because the disciples are now getting a glimpse of God's glory, of Jesus's glory, before he stepped out of the heavenly realm and put on flesh and began to dwell among his people. He's giving them a glimpse of that because they only knew him in his human and fleshly form. But now they're getting this this greater realization of who Jesus actually is, the deity of Christ, that he truly is God's son. And this isn't the first time that something like this has happened for God's people. This is something that's familiar to them because in a similar way, Moses had that same exact experience, right? Moses goes up the mountain and he receives the stone tablets that contain the law. And there he heard from Jesus, heard from God in the cloud, right? God's presence was, was, was represented in the cloud that would follow them and protect them. And that's where Moses heard from God. And it said that once Moses descended the mountain, his face shone bright. And the people knew that he had communed, that he had talked with God. And so now we're seeing that, that Jesus has done the exact same thing, that God is putting on display God's, uh, God's true glory, Jesus' true glory. And he's saying that this is the one that you should be listening to, just like you listened to Moses back in history. And we also see that in the conversation that Jesus is having with these two Old Testament juggernauts of their day. Because it says that Jesus wasn't the only one that the disciples saw on the mountaintop in that moment. Mark says that they were able to recognize Moses and Elisha was there having a conversation with Jesus And we have to be thankful for Luke and his gospel account because he kind of tells us this conversation that's going on. He's kind of telling us that this conversation that they're having is Jesus kind of preparing himself and getting ready for what's about to come. This journey to Jerusalem, this journey to the cross, and what is about to happen. And again, I'm not quite sure how the disciples know that it's Moses and Elijah Right? I don't think they kind of have this picture book, this Old Testament directory of like, yeah, that's Moses. Oh, yeah, that's Elijah. I'm not quite sure how they know, right? Maybe Jesus kind of greets them with a warm greeting, like, ah, Moses, it's so good to see you. And wow, Elijah, you kind of put on a little bit of weight. I- I- I'm not quite sure. But it says that they definitely know for sure that it's these two biblical heroes, And it kind of begs the question, why them? Why them? Why couldn't it have been Abraham or David or Noah? But as we'll see, 
there's significance behind why it's Elijah and why it is Moses. And Elijah is pretty obvious in this context for the reason that we kind of heard before. They kind of saw him as this prophetical predictor, right? This front runner of who's going to come for the Messiah. We've seen all throughout John's ministry and Jesus' ministry that people are coming up to them and saying, are you the new Elijah? Are you the one that's going to call and bring our attention to when the Messiah is coming? Because Jesus isn't really acting like the Messiah, at least not in the way that they're expecting the Messiah to be. Right? They're expecting this, this warrior king to ride in on his horse and kick out the Roman occupiers and reestablish Israel to their rightful place. But Jesus isn't really doing that. And so maybe if he's not the Messiah, then maybe he's just the one that's preparing us and kind of telling us that he's coming. But we see here that Elijah's there. Elijah's there, and Jesus is, is having a conversation with him. So it must not be that Jesus is Elijah, that maybe it's Elisha's pointing to Jesus and saying, that's the Son of God. That's the one we need to be paying attention to. Take notice, disciples. And then there's Moses, who is not only considered the lawgiver, but possibly one of the greatest prophets, if not the greatest we typically don't put him into those categories nowadays, but he brought a word to God's people. And it's often speculated that Moses and Elisha were chosen for this scene because they did represent the law, with Moses going up and receiving it from God, and then Elisha for being one of the major prophets, the forerunner of recognizing when the Messiah would come. So God is making a point that Jesus may not be doing things the way that you're expecting him to do it, the disciples, the people, but nevertheless, he is the fulfillment of all the Old Testament and everything that Yahweh had been doing since creation, since the beginning of everything. This is why God in his booming voice says from the cloud, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. The message is clear Jesus has come to fulfill all the law and the prophets that have been foretold. And by fulfilling them, he is now superseding them. God's people must now look to Jesus, not to Moses, not to Elijah, but to Jesus, his teaching to know what God's plan is. This is a huge revelation for the disciples. Like, this is mind-blowing stuff for them. Because this is not at all what they expected it to be. And still, they don't quite comprehend what is happening. Even after this event is over, and, everything, and everyone's gone, and it's just Jesus with them. It's not until Jesus' death and resurrection from the grave that they truly understand what Jesus was talking about. And we get that confirmation when John says in his gospel that the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. 
And Peter echoes those same words that John does in his book, in 2 Peter. For we do not know cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory saying, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on that sacred mountain. And so this had me thinking, what does this mean for us today? What can we glean from this moment that the disciples experienced? And I believe that God continues to pull back the curtain and give us a glimpse of his glory and what he is doing in our world and in our life. And he does this in grand and extravagant ways, but also in the ordinary, everyday type of ways. Right? These extravagant ways like the disciples experienced on top of the mountain are what we call these mountaintop moments, right? We're pretty familiar with those. We are distinctly remember God speaking to us in those moments. And these moments can happen at retreats, conferences, revivals, that God spoke so clearly to us that we remember him pulling back the curtain and kind of revealing to us something new, perhaps, something that changed our perspective of who he is. Perhaps he revealed that maybe we need to turn something over to him. There's an area in our life that we may need to clean up. Whatever it is, we know that we were close to him in that moment. Every year um, that I could, I went to camp. I always wanted to go to camp, from kids camp to preteen camp to teen camp to family camp. Like I wanted to be at camp. And we used to have this campground on the New England district at Windsor Hills, and there, motto, a slogan, whatever you want to call it was, this is a sacred space. A sacred space to where we can commune with God and we can have an experience with God. And I didn't grow up on the New England district, but the campground in Virginia, that was my sacred space. I had so many mountaintop moments while on that campground. And it's a big reason why I advocate so much for sending our kids to camp, to sending our teens to camp, because they too can have those, those real, tangible moments with God to where he is pulling back the curtain and revealing something new, something fresh, something that he wants to do in our life. And you're probably thinking about those same moments now in your own life of how close you felt to God, so close that you can probably feel the warmth of his glory shine upon you. And we enjoy it so much that we just kind of want to linger there for as long as we can. Like when I'm at camp and I have these moments, I I don't want to leave, I don't want to go home. I just want to stay there as long as I can. And I, I feel like that's why Peter 
was trying to implement these festivals in that moment. He's like, God, let me put up three shelters for you guys. Let, let's stay here. Let's, let's have your presence here with us all the time. And God's like, no. We have to journey back down the mountain. We have to go back to reality, back to the busyness, back to the chaos. And I know for me, when those moments came, and for a variety of different reasons, right, after getting back from camp from those spiritual highs, I kind of just found myself kind of wandering back to those ordinary routines, those normal habits, just kind of waiting for God to pull back the curtain just one more time. And God's like, I'm revealing myself to you in just these ordinary, everyday lives. But because of the busyness, because of the chaos, we kind of miss out on those opportunities. We get so caught up in trying to, to look for the grand, the extravagant, that we miss what God could be revealing to us just in everyday life. We're so worried about kind of checking off our good Christian to-do list that we miss what he could be saying to us and revealing to us. I've had my Bible today, check. Prayed for my food today, check. I even prayed without praying for my food, uh, more than just praying for my food. I went to church this morning, check. I actually took notes on what the pastor said. That's, that's like a double check. Right? We get so caught up in trying to check off these different things that God could be revealing to us, could be revealing something to us that we just miss. Because we know that it's in these types of things that God is revealing himself to us. When we pick up his word and we go deep into it, he's revealing something new to us. He's revealing something that's about himself that we may not have grasped or picked up before. He may be challenging us on something that we read in here that he wants us to take focus of. That when we pray to him, Yes, he wants to hear our requests. He wants us to bring us this petition, but he also wants us to sit and listen. Listen to what he could be pulling back, what he could be revealing, but because we get so caught up in the busyness and the schedules that we just don't sit long enough and just listen to that still, small voice of what he could be saying. And it's through times like this, times in fellowship together, as we come together in corporate worship, as we hear a word from God that he could be pulling back the curtain and revealing something new to us, pointing out an area that we need to give over to him. And maybe it's not something new or something that's mind-blowing or revolutionary. Maybe it's something that we already know. Maybe it's something that we just need to focus on in that moment of time. These moments don't always come on top of the mountain. Sometimes they come in the valley. Sometimes they come in the journey up the mountain. We need to be aware of those moments. Perhaps God is trying to reveal to us what he was trying to reveal to his disciples. That this, this kingdom that God is trying to usher in, this kingdom requires us to, to pick up our cross and to follow him daily. 
to lay down our preconceived notions on what God um, should be doing and actually listen to what Jesus and, and God is telling us that we should do. Laying down what we think and picking up the cross and doing what God is calling us to do. So my question is, what is God trying to reveal to you this morning? What is he trying to say to you? That's the thing about God is that we don't have to pull back the curtain because he wants to reveal himself to us. He wants to show us exactly what it is he is calling us to. He's attempting to show us something about who he is or what he is calling us to be. And are we aware of those moments? This community of faith that we have is a safe space, a safe place for us to come and to explore the various ways that God is revealing himself. That we can share with one another about where, what you feel God is revealing to you. That we can journey alongside each other. That we can support each other. And that we can encourage each other to seek after what it is God may be revealing to you. As we mentioned that we are entering into this season of Lent coming up this week. And I encourage you to come out on Wednesday as we enter into an intentional time of self-examination. As we journey with Jesus to the cross, as we journey on this passion narrative, that we can again ask God, what is it that you're trying to reveal to me? What is it that you're pulling the curtain back for me to see? We get these moments in this grand and awesome moment where we just feel so close to God and that we feel that he is so close that we can touch. But he's also speaking to us in these small, subtle, everyday, ordinary things that we just need to be more aware of. We always have space to be able to talk to God. We have an altar that we can come down and just say, God, what is it that you want to say to me this morning? What is it that you want to reveal to me? We have the space in our pews to be able to talk to God and say, God, show me. I want to know. I want to see. So as the worship team comes, the altars are open. And you have a space to be able to talk with our Heavenly Father. You can do so at your pew, at your pew as well. My challenge, my prayer for you today is to look for those everyday moments where God may be revealing himself to you, his true self. And I encourage you to do just as the Father said, listen to what he has to say. Let's pray. Definitely, Father, we're so thankful for this time, for this space that we can come together as your people, as brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord, and fellowship together to encourage each other, Lord, but also to hear a word from you, Father. And so I pray, Lord, that it may not be this mountaintop moment right here, right now, Lord, but it could be one of those everyday, ordinary type of moments to where you're just speaking to us. Where you're saying something that we already know about who you are, what you want to do in our life. That you're saying that, hey, maybe we should take care of this area that we can fully, truly live into this call and this purpose that you have placed in our life. 
Father, thank you for being a God that wants to reveal himself to us, that wants to have this relationship with us, Lord. Help us. Help us see the moments. Be aware of the moments that you're speaking to us and you're pulling back and revealing your true glory and the purpose and the plan that you're calling us to, Lord. Father, thank you for this time. Allow it again to just move us forward to the places and to the people you're calling us to, to the people you're calling us to be. We ask this in your son's precious and holy name. Amen. Stay with us as we sing our closing song this morning. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. Sing that again. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. To see you high and lifted up. Shining in the light of your glory. Pour out your power and love as we sing holy, holy, holy. See you high and lifted up. Shining in the light of your glory. Pour out your power and love as we sing holy, 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 I want to Power and love as we sing holy, 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 I want to sing you are that's all we can say we feel that presence we feel that glory is holy 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 so here this benediction to send you out as we go now go and speak what you have seen of God's glory do not cling on to the holy moments when heaven overshadows you 
but as the Lord lives, listen to Christ and follow him from the places of revelation to the places of mission. And may God's glory shine his light in your heart. May Christ be with you and never leave you. And may the Spirit renew the image of God within you. Go in peace.